To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode is also brought to you by pbandjoey.com. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for the all-new dark roast coffee. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, folks, open an account today with Weeble, and with just a $100 deposit, you'll get four free stocks. And if you refer a friend, you'll get two more. Such a simple way to start a portfolio with the power of a desktop, tablet, or cell phone. With Weeble, you'll get zero commission fees, access to pre-market trading, and in-depth analytical tools for more advanced users. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the Weeble banner in the contact section. That way, I'll get free stocks, and you'll get free stocks. Now, that's something most of us can agree on. Terms and conditions do apply. See Weeble.com for more information. Thank you to Weeble, and please trade responsibly. So they're generally hitting the Moscato too because they need something sweet in their lives because their husband is sour. That ring on your finger? Some pygmy died digging that out of a hole for you to say I do and ruin some guys like yeah. Look at that dude. He's got a hernia shaped like a bag of pretzels that he just. You're going to Thailand. You're going to smash some dude. Going over there for guy time, but it's not with his buddies. What does it say on the bottle? Well, if it says that on the bottle, why did you put it on your head? All these actors did was shut their mouths because they didn't want to be run out of Hollywood. Now a bad batch of Chinese food has you blowing insurance premiums on vitamin f***ing D. Too much. That's who we're I going sound like Bill Maher. Really, John? Really? really? We can't do this anymore, auntie. I'll see you at the bar mitzvah. It's almost like it never existed, but it f***ing did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself! Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, recorded here from the sandbox. Like, subscribe, share, and donate. PositiveSarcasm.com, slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Find me on Facebook, you old fucks. Facebook.com slash PositiveSarcasm. Facebook.com slash POSSarcasm. Uh, if you want to find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, you can find me on Gab AI, of course, at positive sarcasm. You can find me on minds.com at positive sarcasm. You can go web to my website and you can find all my cool stuff there. If you're looking for posing music because you're a bodybuilder and you're looking for that next uh, cut of music that you need to get ready for your next show, go ahead and email me through my website or email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Uh, I appreciate all the return competitors. Uh, coming back to me. Uh, thank you very much. I, I really, really appreciate you guys uh, trusting me to do what you need to be done in a reasonable period of time. I, I love it. I love that I can still contribute to the competitive fitness community without having to step on stage. Um, it's a lot of work, and uh, I appreciate you guys uh, trusting me. So thank you very much. Uh, coffee, very much needed. I am very tired. Why? I don't know why. Well, I can't fucking sleep, man. I don't know what's up with me. Um, I I literally ordered like some, my some of my my supplements like two weeks ago, and they're stuck in Utah, and I don't know why. It's it's like I don't know. I, I'm I'm it's an enormous, it's frustrating, but I guess if I can be stupid for at least one more week, hopefully this shit will show up. Otherwise, I'm going to have to be like, yo, what's the deal here? I ordered this for a specific amount of time, and it's been two and a half years. I've lost 50, I've lost 56 IQ points. Where's my alpha brain, bro? Um, but besides that, things are okay. Uh, wrapping up, like I said, I think I just talked about it uh, in my music reaction channel at, uh, at Positive Sarcasm Reaction. But we are thirty about 30 days out from closing up shop here uh, on this side of New Hampshire's beautiful seacoast as I transition for the next year to the north side of New Hampshire's beautiful seacoast. Now, what what is the south side of New Hampshire's seacoast? That is Hampton Village District, Seabrook, um, and and Hampton in the town of Hampton, and plus Exeter. That is the south side of New Hampshire's seacoast area. The north side includes Portsmouth, Rye, Newcastle, and Durham. So uh, Northampton's kind of the middle of the road. So uh, that will be my next area of occupation. So that's where I'll basically be he going, heading towards is that uh, South Durham area, which uh, 
is pretty awesome for me. I, who knew um, that I had it in me to keep it going down here? So that's it's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to it. But a funny uh, as we do some housekeeping here, just to let you guys know what's going on. Um, I was uh, they down here. Things are starting to open up, not because of the COVID thing, but more because uh, hey, it's been like 20 degrees out. People are freezing. So the springtime shops are starting to open up. There's a chocolate place that sells like a bunch of fudge and stuff. They've been uh, they just opened up shop. Um, the casino's been year round. Wally's been year round. There's a uh, Blinks fried dough is like a staple that's down here. This is it's just one of those things. And uh, people turned out uh, on Sunday to go there. And I had just gotten back from doing some other stuff. I was at the park uh, up in Portsmouth. And it's it's fun. I'm just you know I'm just walking chase and stuff like that. We're going we're heading towards Blink's Fried Dough. So basically, on one side you have this avenue which basically separates all the uh, restaurants and food places and, and shops. And then on the other side you basically have the boardwalk which overlooks the beach. So we head towards Blink's Fried Dough. I'm walking. We're walking here, and everybody's hitting up Blink's Fried Dough and. You know, they're waddling across the, the, the crosswalk to head to the other side to, the, to get to the beach. And there's people just kind of, you know, they're, they're walking and they're talking and they've got like a big piece of fried dough in a paper plate. That's all I can tell you because that's all I kind of know. And, I, and I'm walking behind a bunch of people and I'm walking behind particularly one woman with a piece of fried dough hanging by her side, a guy with a piece of fried dough. And I think a kid with a piece of fried dough. And then people behind me with fried dough. I'm paying attention to traffic because regardless of whether or not I'm walking with people, uh, we don't have the best drivers here in the the, uh, seacoast area, including Massachusetts. So people don't really pay attention to crosswalks. So Chase is obviously, his nose is, is full blast. He's smelling all kinds of delicious food. His, his nose is up in the air. He's not paying attention to traffic either. And I'm looking at traffic. I'm looking left. I'm looking right. And then I cross. I don't know. These are these little moments in time that in your life that you can't, you don't expect it to ever happen in the first place, let alone for it to happen once. I get across the street. We're going to make a left at this little playground. I look down. Chase has a whole friggin' fried dough in his mouth. I don't know where he got it from. I just know I my dog has a whole fried dough in his mouth. I don't know how he got it. It mu- and I'm looking around. I don't see anybody really doing anything. I'm assuming at this point that somebody had like I look I'm looking around I'm like anybody missing some fried dough? Anybody missing some $7 fried dough? Nobody's saying nothing. Nobody's looking at me weird or my my dog weird cuz if I would have known I'd be like I'll buy some new fried dough. When no one's looking. I just know that my dog is just destroying powdered sugar and just fucking fried doughy flesh. Just and I don't I'm kind of in a state of shock. I don't know if I I don't want to attract attention to him be like, get that out of your mouth. Um he's just besides, he's already annihilating the thing, and it's like, well, you earned it, I guess. I mean, you didn't really pay for it, but hey, good on you. But I'm looking around like how that, where did he get it from? I'm assuming that somebody was waddling on, across the street and it was in one of those little like half, like those folded paper uh, paper uh, plate thingies and they were holding it and Chase just kind of, I guess, grabbed onto one because he, it was right in front of him because they're just dangling it in front of him, not paying attention to what they're doing because people tend to do that here. And he just, he just stretched his mouth out and just went, I... And that was it. Game over. And they just didn't feel it. They just didn't feel it. It just sort of came out. Because they're still holding on to the paper plate. So they assume if they're holding on to the paper plate, they probably still got the fried dough. But it didn't. He did. And I I just I I didn't see anybody. Just just kept moving. I didn't hear anybody get upset. I just kept on moving. During his normal walk, moving on with my day, and he was happy. So I mean, I mean, if my child's happy, I guess that's the most important thing. Um, 
So we just moved on with our day. But the uh, Blinks Fried Dough is open. A lot of the places that are supposed to be opening, they're opening up shortly. The fried chicken place is going to be open uh, uh, April 1st. So there's going to be a lot of movement down here uh, in the Hampton Village. A lot. Um, when it starts to get warmer, Ashworth Avenue turns into a shit show of cars just going back and forth. Most of them just kind of driving around, driving around, driving around because, you know, we got cool cars. We got loud cars. We got annoying cars. And we got rat packs of Honda Civics and Subaru XTIs. You know, it's like, okay, this makes absolutely no sense. But, hey, you do you. So as fun as it is to live down here by this part, this section of the seacoast, it can get kind of stressful. When you're literally just trying to back out of your driveway and you have to, and I, I mean, I can back out pretty quick with a Mustang, but I have to, in order not to hit the power line pole, I have to back out straight, which takes up about two lanes of traffic. And I don't back out aggressively in my Lincoln because I take care of that car a, a lot. So, I, you know, kind of want to not like throw it in reverse, get in the slam of the brakes, throw it in a drive ah, and take off. So I take my time. Uh, if I got to wait an extra 60 seconds, I will. But, yeah, it's been getting stressed. I was, um, yeah, it was, so that, that was one of the things. But things are starting to open up, and I'm going to kind of get out of here, at least in this area, uh, before things get really ridiculous. Um, but I was just happy to be able to make it out of here, um, make it down here in general, and then be able to make it out of here to have a nice uh, living situation. Because I don't really, at, right now, don't want anything... Um, permanent, long term's good. Permanent, no, because I I, I want to be the master of what I want to do and where I want to go, and I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Nothing. I don't. I I have to be able to cut ties in a moment's notice if I can, or have a or take place or t take steps from six months to a year in planning my next steps. Just where it, it's. I mean, I'm in a good position. If I have to break for another state or um just move on with little to no little to no trail i'm i'm totally happy with doing that um these are things I'm, i mean i'm constantly thinking ahead of stuff like this and you know what's funny is i'm i'm, I'm thinking about you know waking up at 5 a.m going through the motions all this stuff until the moment i go to bed all the uh things i have going on three uh three uh Three YouTube channels, you know, all the podcast stuff, the social media, the client music, the, the clients that I work with, and then my normal my normal every day, and then just my schedule and, and taking care of Chase. And it's a high-stress life I live. It can be a very rewarding one, but it's stressed, it's stressed nonetheless. And yet, um, I'm looking through uh, Wallet Hub posted a article about the least and most stressful states and it turns out that the one i live in don't know why is one of the most it literally the least stressful not the least but one of the least stressful states i don't get it but i'm we're gonna look into it a little bit here so let's kind of scroll through this article basically um what is it it's by wallet hub so obviously it has to do with a lot of financing finances and stuff how's your finances so wallet hub 2022's most least most and least stressed states from adam mccann so we'll see what this kind of ties into and see what value or validity it has because i can tell you right now when it comes to finding places to live in the state of new hampshire um we have some relatively high rents very high when you live near the seacoast versus what you can actually make it a job and then also on top of that trying to find a house in this area for not a lot of money next to impossible mobile homes go for 150 grand so um let's get by let's see past few years COVID 19 pandemic there was a recent survey that one in three americans sometimes feel so stressed uh these introductories are so I don't know. They're so uncomfortable. Overall stress levels are not uniform across the country, though. And certain states worry more than others about specific issues. All right. So here we go. Wallet Hub compared 50 states across 41 key indicators of stress to determine the places to avoid and achieve a more relaxing life. Our data set ranges from average hours worked per week to the personal bankruptcy rate to the share of adults getting adequate sleep. Okay. 
and they have a table of contents. So if you want to go check this out, you can type in wallethub.com slash edu slash most and it should bring up that or you can google it most stressful states at wallet hub it'll give you that information so they have a table of contents main findings asking the experts experts and method outside i bit my tongue like three times in the past four days i'm stressed uh and experts and methodology and the main findings and it shows you like a big old map and it ranks them one through 50 uh one of the most stressful states louisiana one of the least stressful states is New Hampshire ranked 46. Uh, Hawaii is ranked 45, even though they still have COVID protocols. Okay, fine. Minnesota, where everything is freezing cold. and uh, That's another one. That's the least stressful. Nevada. Okay. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, excuse me. That's Utah. Oh, that's Utah. No, Nevada is like number two most stressful states. Um, all right. So let's see here. Where is New Hampshire? So... 39 in what are these categories work related stress money related stress family related stress health safety related stress and we are my state is on an average of 38.13 so 39th 43rd 36th and 36th okay um with the exception so notes number one most stress with the exception of total score all the columns in the table above depict the relative rank of the state where rank number one represents the worst conditions for that metric category okay yeah we get it all right most average hours worked per week tied for first alaska north dakota texas and wyoming tied for fifth oklahoma louisiana and south dakota fewest average hours worked per week massachusetts vermont Tied for 48th, Oregon, Rhode Island, and 50th, Utah. That's weird. Um, okay. I don't I don't I don't even understand where they get these metrics from. Fewest average hours of sleep per night. Number one, Hawaii, West Virginia, three Kentucky, four Tennessee, five Ohio. Most average hours of sleep per night. Montana, Colorado, Vermont, South Dakota, Minnesota. You know what's funny? If you want to buy a house in Vermont, you can get one for like 40 grand. Their houses are worth shit. Apparently, I don't know. Maybe it's because nobody wants to go there because that state sucks. (laughs) Uh, Highest percentage of adults in fair to poor health. Number one, West Virginia, two Kentucky, three Arkansas, four Louisiana, five Alabama. Okay. Lowest percentage of adults in fair to poor health. Remember, we have an obesity prominence in this country, so keep that in mind. Lowest percentage, 46, South Dakota, 47, Hawaii, tied for 48th, Colorado and Nebraska, 50th, Minnesota. Mm. Lowest job security, Vermont, Maryland, Connecticut, Minnesota, and rounding the top five, Virginia. Highest job security, Arizona, Georgia, Florida, Nevada, in Hawaii, Florida. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, lowest credit scores: Minnesota. Excuse me. Excuse me. Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Georgia, Kentucky, and South Carolina. Highest credit scores: forty-six North Dakota, forty-seven Massachusetts, tied for forty-eighth New Hampshire and Vermont, and fiftieth Minnesota. Credit score is a credit score. Look, at the end of the day, who gives a shit about your credit score when you can pay for everything in cash? Um, credit scores are great though, but it also has to do with your debt to income and your income and how long you've had that credit score. You can, ha- you could have a 750 credit score, but have no credit history. And that's just as good as having a fucking zero least affordable housing, Hawaii, California, New York, Oregon, and Massachusetts. Well, right now the rent in New Hampshire is higher than the rent in Massachusetts. You can get plenty of uh, of places to stay in, in like Cambridge or wherever, or in certain parts of Mass, East Coast Mass, than you can in New Hampshire, especially when you're coming down south, or mo- like in there in the seacoast. Most affordable housing: Indiana, North Dakota, Kansas, Nebraska, and fiftieth Iowa. Highest percentage of population living in poverty. Poverty, excuse me. Mississippi, Louisiana, New Mexico, West Virginia, and Kentucky. Uh, now, there's the, it's the poverty line. Poverty line. How much money do they actually make? If they're below that not line, then they're technically in the poverty. Live, uh, lowest percentage of population living in poverty, 46, Utah, 47th, Minnesota, 48th, Hawaii, 49, Maryland, 50, New Hampshire. Mm. 
There are also plenty of jobs available in New Hampshire, too. Highest divorce... No, no, I don't know what this really means, though, because we have tons of problems here. Like I said, try finding a house. That's that's one one problem. Well, we also have a lot of jobs here that are based in healthcare, and healthcare is not a great industry to be in. Highest divorce rate. I love how I drink coffee and I yawn. Highest divorce rate, Nevada. Oh, that's sad. Two, New Mexico. Three, Florida. Four, Louisiana. Five, Mississippi. Lowest divorce rate, Minnesota, Hawaii, New Jersey, North Dakota, and Utah. Um, so there's so many different um, articles. Or, or let's see. Oh, there's only two more. Highest crime rate per capita. Louisiana, New Mexico, Arkansas, Tennessee, South Carolina. Lowest crime rate per capita. Idaho, New Jersey, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. So, okay. Uh, psychologists per capita. The fewest. I'm not sure what that means. Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Nevada, and Alabama. The most psychologists per capita. Montana, Delaware, Wisconsin, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts. So, uh, for the best way... So, here's a, some additional information they have here. Asking the experts. Um, all right, we'll see if these have any value. The best ways to cope with negative stressors. We turn to a panel of experts, they say. Quote, experts. You can read their bios and thoughts on the key questions below. What tips do you have for fighting stress without spending money? What? Um, okay. Tips for fighting stress without spending money. Going for walks. Working out. Hanging out with friends. Uh, cleaning your house. Taking a nice hot shower. Doing yoga. Getting plenty of sleep. Um, having or uh, Being organized. These are things I have for having a low-stress lifestyle. There's nothing worse than leaving a house that's in disarray, coming home to one that's in disarray. Taking care of your finances is also one for me. Working out is a huge one. A little bit in the morning, a little bit in the afternoon changes everything. Uh, also, my supplementation helps greatly. Uh, what steps can people take to reduce stress, to reduce stressing over finances? Like I said, take control of your finances. Stop unnecessary spending. Don't buy your coffee. You know, don't uh, buy your lunch. Don't go out to eat all the time or you don't really need to at all. Stop buying unnecessarily expensive uh, clothing or shoes. These are other, you know, look at your your streaming platforms. How many do you have? Do you need any? Do you have cable? Do you need cable? All your additional monthly things that you have, um, you know, whatever it is, like, do you need all these things coming in at monthly pay, all that shit. Like every time you have a streaming platform or a cable bill or something like that, it's like, do I need all this shit? Do I really need all this stuff? Not necessarily. Um, and this would be my thoughts regardless of inflation. Um, Cause you could put that money in the stock market and like a dividend paying stock. Uh, should insurance companies cover tra- cover treatments to help reduce that help reduce stress? No, but they should cover uh your gym membership you're either yeah health insurance companies should absolutely continue to give you gym benefits so if you have a gym and you submit that stuff to there and you and that you're going there not that you signed up for it but that you're actually going there um then or either way that you have a gym membership they should cover some of the costs what tips do you have for patients trying to minimize their children's stress levels huh Parents trying to minimize their children's stress levels. Well, pay attention to your fucking kids for a one. Make sure they're not playing video games all the time. Make sure they're getting out and making actual friends. Uh, and keep them away from the TV as much as possible. Spend time with them. Have dinner with them. Listen to them. Let them talk. That, there you go. I'm not even a parent. What could people do to address the financial co- stress caused by the pandemic? That's a tough one. Is that that's a open-ended question? Did they lose their job? Did they have to spend a ton of money? Did they have medical expenses? Did they have to move? Did they have to buy a new house? Did they have to move out of state? Did they have uh, loved ones that they had to take care of? Uh, it all depends. Addressing the financial stress caused by the pandemic. I mean, my fan, my financial stresses. I didn't have any from the pandemic. I had none. None. I had. St- Financial stresses due to other things, but none of it was caused by the pandemic. I had a constant flow of income, so it was not an issue to me. 
So if you had a constant flow of income and you didn't take on any unnecessarily large uh, uh, debts, then what's the problem here? What are we talking about? So that being said, those are some of the key questions. Um, and then they talked about you know work-related stress, average hours per week. So they, they put all these key factors to kind of uh, weigh these actual numbers out. And uh, it's not really worth going through. But the data, at least, uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is actually, for me, valid. I've used that in multiple arguments in the past. Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Okay, that's kind of that one's kind of invalidated. The Investor Education Foundation, Council for Community and Economic Research, Administrative Offices of the United States Courts, TransUnion, which is a credit score uh, place, Department of Housing. So they went to a bunch of different places to source out this information and uh, gave you know each thing like a credit, like an actual value to each state, depending upon work hours, money-related stress, uh, family-related stress, health and safety-related stress. So these, these, all these factors um, weighed into what was the most stressed out state. Now, let's take a look here. Let's actually go to Florida. Actually, let's go. Yeah, let's look at Florida. Where's Florida in this situation? Florida, Maryland. Okay, where's Florida? Florida, 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 Florida. I don't see why Florida would have been such a high stress environment, but okay. Florida is number 13 on the most stressful states. So, so 42, 14, and 5. So 42, 14, and 5. Health, what? Family-related stress, money-related stress, work-related stress, health-safety-related stress. I don't understand it where during the pandemic, people kept on moving in Florida. That was one of the things. They were the, one of the first states to reopen. They're one of the most the, the states that just said, screw it, which just keep doing business as usual. So I don't understand why Florida would be so high on the list. I know Florida has other Florida problems. You know, you, they still suffer from Florida man syndrome. They still have Miami, which is crime. Um, and it is a, it's a relatively big state that has, you know, um, a lot of different factors to it. But in my opinion, if you want to be stress-free, if you don't want to have to worry about four different seasons of weather, just summer and then summer times two you just go to florida and it's like okay there you go i don't have to worry about seasons no more i don't have to shovel my driveway all i have to make sure is that i pay attention to hurricane watches and that's about it hang out my condo until the the until the water recedes uh but it, it comes to like other places i don't i don't get it like pennsylvania pennsylvania would absolutely suck philadelphia is a shithole they get terrible snowstorms their t roads turn to ice um so yeah, I mean, in New Hampshire, I, I I guess it's less stressful. You can kind of disappear, but um, at the same time, uh, we have to deal with all four seasons at their maximum. Extremely humid, hot summers. Extremely cold and frigid winters. Uh, so I'm, I don't understand these factors. And the jobs in, in this state, uh, I don't know. Like, the healthcare jobs are awful. That health, the whole healthcare industry in in, state, in our state is terrible. That's completely pointless. So I don't see any justification behind that number. We do have other jobs here as well, but I can tell you this: if you want to be a police officer in the state of New Hampshire, that's still a high stress gig. We do have crime ridden crime ridden cities such as Nashua and Manchester, and they're not even big cities. They're like a hundred thousand. That's it, and then plus the suburbs. So I don't I don't understand these factors. You believe me, I've had plenty of stresses in this state for sure. So I don't get the whole point of how we're pretty much close to number one as far as least stressed out. I'm stressed just thinking about it. I'm stressed thinking about the fact that I might bite my tongue again. So there is that article. Um, let's see. And if uh, so, we'll switch over to another article here and then we'll go ahead and get right to q and I, I want to avoid. Um, I'm avoiding certain topics like uh, the whole uh, war, uh, the whole Oscars fiasco. Personally, I think that whole situation jumped the shark. My mother even asked me about it. And I'm just like, I don't fucking care. You know, it, I just don't. It doesn't really register with me. Um, so I'm just going to move on from that. You have other. I just don't fucking care. I just don't care. I want to talk about Australia, how stupid they are. And uh, then we're going to go ahead and get right to Q&A. Uh, this is from Reuters. 
about Australia making uh, big tech hand over misinformation data. This kind of bothers me because this is another form of possible censorship. And this I don't think this ha helps scenarios. Uh, I don't think this helps the situation. Just makes it work worse, depending upon what they're going to do with this mis misinformation. If it is misinformation and if, however they deem it to be misinformation, what do they do with it? Do they ban it? Do they go after the people who posted it? It's like, ah, where we know the fact checkers aren't even right. They're just biased. So March 21st, Australia's media regulator will be able to force internet companies to share data about how they handled misinformation and disinformation under new laws that will bolster government efforts to rein in big tech, supposedly. And this is Australia. The, the Australian Communications and Media Authority, also known as ACMA, will be able to also be able to enforce an internet industry code on uncooperative platforms the government set up Monday joining others around the world seeking to reduce the spread of harmful falsehoods online. That's a red flag right there. The planned laws are a response to the ACMA investigation that around that found four-fifths of Australian adults had experienced misinformation about COVID-19, and 76% thought online platforms should do more to cut the amount of false and misleading content online. The laws broadly align with efforts by Europe to curb damaging online content, which are due to take effect at the end of 2022. Although the European Union has said it wants even tougher measures to stop disinformation, given some of the output from Russian state-owned media during the invasion of Ukraine, quote, digital platforms must take responsibility for what is on their sites and take action when harmful or misleading content appears. This is from the communications minister, Paul Fletcher, said in a statement. Australians were most likely to see misinformation on larger services like meta platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and, you know, uh, false narratives typically started with high emo highly emotive and enraging posts within small online conspiracy groups and were amplified by international influences, local public figures, and coverage in the media, it added. This is just, this sounds like a train wreck. So let's continue on and finish this article. Uh, false narratives typically started with highly emotive. The authority also stated that, also noted that disinformation, which involves intentionally spreading false information to influence politicals, politics or so discord was continuing to target Australians. Facebook had removed four disinformation campaigns in Australia from 2019 and 2020. It said it said conspiracy groups often urge people to join smaller platforms with looser moderation policies like telegram. If these platforms rejected, if those platforms rejected industry set content guidelines, they may present a higher quote may present a higher risk to Australian community. The activist said, the crackdowns add another element to the ruling conservative government's assertion that it has taken a big stick approach to the tech giants as it faces an election that is due by May that may that most polls suggest it will lose. Fletcher said the new powers for the regulator would be introducing introduced to Parliament in late 2022, meaning it would likely be up to the current opposition Labour Party to shepherd them. Okay, that's, that's Australian politics. A spokeswoman person for Labour Shadow Communication Minister Michelle Rowland told uh, Reuters that the opposition supported the expanded powers, but the government had taken too long to introduce them since they were recommended in 2019. Digi, DIGI, an Australian industry body representing Facebook, Alphabet's Google, Twitter, and video site TikTok, said it supported the recommendations and noted that it had already set up a system to process complaints about misinformation. Okay. So. We're going to have more governing bodies overseeing possible misinformation and disinformation. Well, once again, what is deemed misinformation? What companies, what government entities are deciding what to be misinformation and disinformation? We had multiple misinformation campaigns against ivermectin. We had multiple misinformations against the COVID narrative about where it was actually created in the lab leak theory. The, uh, the mask masking thing, whether or not they worked or didn't. And just multiple other things, and including the war in Ukraine. But a lot of these things turned out to be true or they turned out to be conjecture. They turned out to be just opposite viewpoints. But a lot of them just for bringing it up, including stuff that happened to do with our elections, whether they were true or not. Like one of them came from the New York Post about the, the laptop thing. They fucking killed that post. So this seems like another form of government overreach and control about tech companies that already have a form of their own control. So it's control on top of control. It, all this is doing is giving these social media companies more power to censor what they see fit. This isn't even a double-edged sword. I don't even I, I don't even know what kind of sword this is. All I know is this is just going to crush a, a, a count any counter narrative. 
And it's only going to make people like Joe Rogan more powerful. Um, this is extremely disturbing. I'm curious if all this stuff is taking place at the end of 2022. Uh, what steps are going to be taken to ban or filter or censor uh, content that is currently out there from two months ago, three weeks ago, six years ago, ten years ago? Is it just going to get wiped off the face of the earth because we're going to be using automatic algorithmic formats to just go out there and crawl through videos or articles or posts uh, and anything in those in that information deemed to be threatening by these governing bodies or by these social media companies um, to be automatically deleted and then just ban the, 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 the post or ban the account altogether. It seems like something sweeping is coming and people are a lot of people are already losing their accounts. A lot of people, a lot more people are going to be losing their accounts. So if you are a, a user of YouTube or a user of Facebook or Google or Twitter, I, I highly recommend whatever information you have that you want to keep, you need to download it on a separate drive. And you need to download it immediately because I strongly think that depending upon where you are, and this is going to cut communication down significantly. Like if you have friends in Australia or friends in Europe or friends in Russia, um, this is going to cause some serious waves, I think. Um, and alternative, and they, they cause, they're talking shit about alternative platforms. Well, that's a capitalistic approach is if you don't like this platform, we're creating a different platform. I remember when parlor came out and then AWS, Amazon web services said, yeah, you can go ahead and find another web service platform to host all your data because we're not going to do it anymore. And it pretty much killed parlor pretty much because parlor was getting, was gaining a lot of steam. I don't even know if it works now. I have no idea, but it essentially killed Parler, all the momentum of Parler. So it's it's basically like you can find, I'll build my own website and I'll host it on Amazon Web Services. It's like Amazon's like, nope, no, you're not. Get off. You have to go somewhere else. I'm concerned. It's like, well, my who's my website? Uh, uh, who, who does their hosting? Do they have their own stuff? And it's like, oh, okay. Well, I have to make sure that I have all my own content. I'm taking steps to make sure that all of my content is secured. Like that I have a master hard drive, that I have a master uh, uh, a database of all the stuff that I've really ever posted and wanted to keep. It's very important to me. But I feel like a lot of sweeping changes and a lot of, ooh, some lot of creepy shit, a lot more creepy than we, anything we've already gone through, is going to come to play here at the end of 2022. And these are things to consider moving forward if you want to protect your data. And speaking out about it is absolutely critical. I just don't know what we can do about it when we're constantly getting uh, bombarded with, with just ridiculousness. Like we just shifted right out of COVID and we're okay. Now everybody's talking about the war in Ukraine. When it kind of seems like day by day that both parties, both governing bodies are completely guilty of heinous shit. And it's like, you know, where do your allegiances lie? Should your allegiances lie anywhere? Can't we just focus on our own shit? No, we can't. We can't. I don't know. I, it really does concern me. But, I mean, if nothing else, I can at least talk about it. I can at least read it. I can at least bring it to light. And it's something that you may want to consider looking into because maybe you have an answer for it. I don't. I have no freaking idea. I just see – I just feel like I'm walking by – you know, whistling while the while everything the world is turning into a small dumpster fire. So, I mean, that's what I have to say about that. Thankfully, I got my best buddy who's visiting me right now wants me to pet his head. And I'm more than happy to do so. I'm almost done, buddy. I've done 36 minutes, and I think we'll go ahead and just streamline right over to Q and A. I've talked about uh, the most and least stressful states. I feel like I have accomplished nothing through that one. I talked about how Australia is making big tech even more fucking uh, able to cut the cord on people than they already have. And then I'm gonna go ahead and see what's wrong with, in the first world with everybody's freaking problems here at Dig Q and A. By the way, if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com/slash/donate. Any amount is appreciated. Am I recording? Hey. Don't be doing that. Don't be doing that. You know? So let's go ahead and get right after it. Also, if you want to sign up for the Weeble app, there's uh, five free stocks going on. Or you can get a few free stocks, but they'll probably continue it. Um, just go ahead and use my links wherever you may find them and get some free stocks. Seriously. Free. I'm not kidding. Anyways, let's go ahead here and get right after some first world problems. 
Was I wrong to object when my boyfriend revealed he has not been rinsing sauce off my pasta as I asked him to? Huh? I've always been a picky eater, especially when it comes to tomatoes. Ever since I was a kid, my dad would make my spaghetti different from the rest of the house. I like having I like having an essence of the sauce flavored on the noodles, but not overpowering flavor having the noodles bathed in sauce in the sauce creates. Okay. Whatever. So here's where it gets a bit odd. My dad would separate my spaghetti from the families after putting the sauce on and then on the sauce on it and then would rinse the sauce off with this in the sink with spaghetti and strainer. I love noodles like this as a nice subtle tomato vibe given the mild spaghetti. Huh, interesting. My boyfriend, I'm 20. My boyfriend, 26, has known about this since we first started dating. He's always, He has always told me my food habits were cute. We have been dating for almost three years now and moved in together at the beginning of the pandemic. So we've locked lockdown together, blah, blah, blah. We first moved in together. He insisted on taking charge of cooking and all cooking-related tasks, dishes, cooking, uh, dishes, grocery shopping, etc. And he assigned me the role of cleaning the bulk of the apartment. We split the other tasks pretty much 50-50. Everything was perfect, and he always seemed to be making noodles the way I liked them when we had them. That was until last week when we had last had spaghetti. We ate. Everything was good. But afterwards, he started teasing my teasing my saying things like, you really like your pasta with an essence of tomato. And how is your tomato essence, baby? Uh, always using f- finger quotes around the word essence. After a few moments, I felt something was off. And I asked him if he had done anything differently with tonight's noodles. And he usually does. He started laughing. When he finally stopped laughing, he usually told me the truth while smirking. He said, I didn't do anything different than I usually do. I have been making it the way you requested. Apparently, the entire time we've been living together, he's just been skipping the pasta sauce on my noodles entirely. He claimed that if I didn't notice for this long, it shouldn't matter that he's making a huge dinner in a way that it's easier for him. I disagree entirely. I think the lying was a huge breach of trust, so... And so was the refusal to make dinner how I wanted. I have been, admittedly been acting passive-aggressively to him, uh, but he thinks that he did nothing wrong, that I'm overreacting, uh, and that I need to let it go. Um, if you didn't notice that the, the pasta wasn't even there, if you didn't even notice this subtle hint, you didn't even notice, it's like, okay. Um, this is mild. Sh- Look, this is mild stuff. Take it from me. There are far worse things to flip your shit about. Uh, if he's willing to make dinner for you and all that other stuff, and has been reasonably amicable, and this is the only—if this is the only thing he's been kind of, you know, keeping on the side—don't, um, don't. What are you doing? I think you're you're freaking out over something that quite possibly is has something to do with your childhood with your dad. Um, I think this is what it kind of steps. In is kind of stems from um and the passive aggressive thing is not a good way to it's not a good thing to do i mean you're really gonna ruin a relationship because you decided not to put any pasta sauce on your noodles and you didn't even notice the difference yeah you need to get over yourself you know you really do let's move on to the next topic was it normal for my boss to accuse me of screwing him over when i got COVID and needed to take some sick days Three years ago, I was hired at my company, my current company, to do office slash admin billing stuff. At the time, there were three employees, a very small local branch of a large international company. When I came on, they quickly discovered that I was able to handle a higher workload than my predecessor and had tr- me trained so I could do all functions of every job in our office. Long story short, I can and have run the office completely on my own. Nobody else in the office, including my manager, can say that. Okay. Year later, COVID hit, upended everything. We downsized from three employees to two, much higher workload than we previously. I was alone most of the time at the office, holding down the fort while everyone else is home. Then 2021 happened, caused even more issues. Our parent office, three and a half hours away in another state, lost most of their employees in an important department. So management asked me to travel to that office and help with the workload. Every other week for several months, in addition to my existing workload. Then I asked not only to take on their work. Then I was asked to not only take on their workload, but to train new employees. So I did. At the time, I was not given a raise nor anything in any way of additional compensation for all the extra work I was doing. Uh, It was just vague promises of a raise come later on. They eventually did give me a promotion, but I was not promoted to the level I I was told I would be. So that was additionally frustrating. They framed it as a management can't promote you too high too quickly or there will be nowhere for you to go in a few years. 
They called me a few weeks ago and asked me to travel to them again and to train more new hires. I went without question or hesitation. I contracted COVID on that trip, and two days after returning home, I was sick. I found out that I was positive on Saturday and immediately texted my boss to let him know. I got no response from him at all. I texted my other boss in the head office the next day to let them know as well because I was afraid they might have been exposed. And because I had told them I would assist with one of their employees' vacations that week, all I got was a response from the man from that manager was, wow. The next morning, Monday, my boss called me like he usually does, seemingly thinking I was going to be working as usual. I told him, no, I had COVID. I couldn't work. HR called me and sent them. I sent them my positive test and again, thought that was the end of it. Two days later, I got an angry text from my boss asking if my computer was broken and why I wasn't working. I was shocked and I told him, no, I have COVID. I'm home at sick. He responded that I was screwing him over and he couldn't believe me. He did the same thing, the exact, okay. Texted me on and off for me working and not working. And then I asked him why I was acting like this and stated that I was sick. He told, he personally, he called me to personally tell me I was fucking him over. I hung up in tears and called HR. I told them an abbreviated version of what happened. And she told, and she told me that management was disappointed in me and that I had left them hanging by not working. I was so shocked and hurt by all this that I hardly slept that night. And the next day I logged on to work from home. My bosses have never acknowledged any of this or apologized. And I know my bosses think he's done nothing wrong. I am ready to find a new job over this. I feel completely undervalued and taken advantage of. Um, when I share the story with people, I've gotten reactions ranging from burn all the bridges to, and it's just business. You should try to understand their perspective. Uh, so hope you, okay. All right, look, um, I'm going to set aside the fact that if you can work, work, I don't care about COVID. I don't, I don't give a shit. I, you know, my opinion is suffer through it, but if you're sick and you want to, and you feel like you can stay home and that's one thing. And you worked your ass off for all these other, for two different places while they were, hung, you know, not a wet, not at the office. You were doing all this training. You weren't promoted. You weren't compensated. You were fed false. You were fed a false narrative with bullshit excuses. And now they're treating you like garbage after everything you did for them. Well, when you say you're ready to find a new job, yeah, you should be, should have already been doing this. Like you need to find a new job immediately and leave. Uh, you put in your two weeks and you, and that's it. And you just call it a day. That's it. I would, I would not go back to this place. They're not paying you enough. Go find somebody else, especially with the price of inflation right now, the CPI index. It's like, okay, all that other stuff involved. You can make plenty of money somewhere else and probably have a better work environment. Whatever this is, get it out of your life. It's no good for you. This is a horrible place to be working. Fuck these people. Go find somewhere else to be. Wherever it is, it doesn't matter. Even if you're taking a pay cut, it doesn't matter. Go find another job or start your own business. Let's do another one. How can I convince my married friends who are letting me live with them for free to stop being affectionate with each other? Huh? I'm in a difficult situation. I lost my job as a result of my boyfriend showing up in my workplace and behaving crazily. Oh, then I lost my home when I finally broke up with him after realizing I've been dealing with years of emotional and financial abuse from him. Okay. Uh, my friends, a married couple, have been lifesavers and invited me to stay in their spare room while I get back on my feet. I want to be clear that I am incredibly grateful to them. However, I am starting to lose my mind living with them, and they need to add and I need advice on how to cope until I get new work and can get out of here. Get out, of here. out and about, they never display physical affection and don't like act couplish in general. In the house, however, oh God, it's nauseating. Uh, I never stayed with them long enough for them to start acting the way they do normally. Blah, blah, blah. I have no idea they kiss and cuddle all the time. Call each other cutesy nicknames, doll sweetness, and have a dozen stupid rituals. For example, Charlotte always cooks a huge breakfast for Jane on Saturday, prepares some over-the-top romantic meals for them on Sunday, complete with candles. They buy each other flowers. So often the place looks like a greenhouse. Compliment each other multiple times a day. You look gorgeous. You look so hot in that. I've walked in on them literally waltzing around the kitchen on one or more occasion. At least they... They stop when I come in. I'm not a big PDA person, but I'm especially not feeling romantic vibes at this time in my life. I went last two years taking compliments from, went from three years taking compliments from my ex-boyfriend to you look less fat in that and had flowers. Watching Charlotte and Jane gushing about one another and waltzing around is both upsetting and aggravating. I once made a comment to the end of, could this level of romance be moved to the bedroom maybe? And Jane responded by saying, I was free to go to my room if it bothered me. 
When I mentioned to Charlotte, who's closer than Jane, it's hard for me being an intense couple. She was more understanding and dialed things back for a few days. Then Valentine's Day came. Well, and you can imagine everything reset. The last time I snapped and made what I'll admit an unproductive comment, feeling like a rom-com. Jane basically called me homophobic for telling a gay couple to dial back their affection to my comfort. I defended myself by feeling, okay. She dealt with a lot of homophobia. Look, you're, yeah, you, look. You are in somebody else's home due to their good graces and willing to let you in. That's number one. Uh, Are you homophobic? No, you're just, you're just in, you're in a state of, you don't want to see another couple. I get this right now. I totally get it. In a situation where seeing other people being romantically involved with one another, with, with one another is traumatic for you. I get that. But beggars can't be choosers and you are basically alive and under a roof because somebody else was kind enough to let you stay there. So you're going to have to deal with this shit and not say a goddamn thing and be thankful that they let you live there for the time being. And that means you just need to work harder at finding a gig and finding a place to live that doesn't have them. So I wouldn't bring it up because it's just going to uh, make things more difficult. And w- w- look, if they're happy and they get along and they're doing, why do you want to ruin a good thing? They're, they're apparently getting along. So why don't you just leave it alone? You don't need to make shit worse for other people. You wonder, you want, you have any idea like the divorce rates in this country right now? If two people are actually happy and spending a lot of time with each other and being appreciative of one another and stuff like that, who are you to fucking open your mouth? I mean, at this point, you need to go get, I think at this point, find a place to live, go reset your head, and get to work. But leave them alone. They're not doing anything wrong. If anything, they're doing everything right. Let's do one more. Should I tell my former friend whose wedding I skipped, even though she helped me a lot with my wedding, that I miss her? My former best friend, Annie, was my maid of honor when I got married about 20 years ago. I did make a lot of uh, and did a lot to make that wedding a success. When Annie got married 12 years later, I had two young children, couldn't be involved as she had been involved in my wedding. Since her wedding was child free, no children younger than 12 and babysitters were scarce. In the end, we couldn't be there. I asked Annie to consider a more child-friendly wedding. She took offense and pointed out that my own wedding had been child-free. I tried to explain the difference. Most of our weddings now had child, you know, in 10, blah, blah, blah. She couldn't see the reason and froze out three of us who missed her wedding after she'd done so much for us. And I admit she did a lot through showers, ran errands, made centerpieces, decorated receptions, the works. Our friendship didn't really survive her hurt feelings. And other than social media, we don't interact these days. I miss her and I like to renew our friendship. Where do we even start? Can I just say I miss her and go from there without rehashing the past? Well, you can say you miss her and see where it goes from there. Don't rehash the past. Look, I have this philosophy. The wedding is all about the bride and the groom. In my opinion. So if the bride and the groom set a standard for who they want at their wedding and who they don't want at their wedding and, an, and they have set an age limit, that's the end of it. So if they don't want children there, they don't want children there. End the discussion. It may suck for you, but it's their wedding. They're spending all this time, all this money, all this preparation to commit to each other and celebrate this moment and invite people there to, to celebrate it. It's just your job to go find babysitters and, and work on this. That's it. But it, the wedding is all about the bride and the groom. I'll always believe that. And there's no negotiation there. It's their moment. They should be able to have fun and enjoy it and celebrate it because that shit's expensive. So that's there's no that there's no discussion there for me. But saying that you want to say you miss her because you, you, you do, well, call her. Call them, say you miss them, and I feel like I, I said some stupid shit that, um, you know, split up our relationship, and, it, I, and we shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have brought it up. Take that approach, because you may not you may not be right. I don't think you're right. I think you're right by saying you miss them and you want to rekindle things. I think that'd be a good idea. That's a good way to start. Just you know, hey, I miss you. Blah blah blah. If they don't respond, they just tell you to fuck off or whatever like that. Well, you know, you're going to have to accept things for what they are. Don't uh, don't try to force things. 
Just be honest. And don't do it via text. Try like a phone call. Texts are... They don't convey anything. They don't. So don't even try it. Don't. And if you don't get a if you don't get a response, if you leave a voicemail or whatever, then uh, there is a strong possibility you actually really did fuck up. And there's a lot more that you need to do in order to make things right, at some degree, but not all degrees. So that being said. Uh, definitely start with saying that you messed up and you want to kind of see where if, if I can, if you can make some things work. Um, but when it comes to weddings, it's the bride and the groom's get day. So if they don't want kids there, they don't want kids there. That's the end of it. Uh, that being said, we are at 53 minutes. Time to close up shop on this, uh, beautiful Thursday evening. Is it Thursday? No, it's Wednesday. I'm recording this a couple days early. Hopefully the world doesn't fall apart like then. Uh, but I didn't really, t I didn't really say talk about anything controversial. Well, I talked about controversial things, but not like things that could change in like the next ten minutes. So thank God for that. In the meantime, you can find me on the social medias. Just uh, have any questions, concerns, comments. You can email me directly through my website, or you can go directly. You can just email me directly. Positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Throw in a good subject line there. I'll absolutely get to it. Uh, posing music for, for competitive fitness, get people, um, you know, client work, anything. Feel free to hit me up. Check me out through my social medias. Check out my other channels, Positive Sarcasm, the original, the podcast channel, and Positive Sarcasm Reactions. Uh, that's been doing quite well. You can hit, find the audio version of this podcast anywhere where podcasts are available. Anywhere, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict. Uh, and then video versions, Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm, YouTube, Positive Sarcasm Podcast, and on Rumble. In the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. I'm going to go bite my tongue now again for the 10th time today. And I'll talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the sandbox. Where's that freaking button? There it is. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation. Presentation. Sneaking out of my house, I was just 16 Met you in the dark down by the creek We messed around until we got cold feet Summers in Kentucky, they were hard to beat Twenty-five years later, our lives have changed Girls on the road who are half my age Sometimes I blink them out the creek when I'm on stage Summers in Kentucky, man, I miss that place Used to press your pussy up against my mouth Now you've had a couple kids and it's all stretched out Starting to think we can figure it out Summers in Kentucky wanna be back now Ever feel like ditching your man? Grab your kids, hit the road with the country band. There's room for all y'all inside of my plan. Start our lives all over again. Heard you made a few got sick tits, but who am I to say? Cause I've aged like shit That's why I think we'd be the perfect fit Summers in Kentucky, man, I sure miss I'd give up all the pussy and the young shade enough Bring your flabby ass back, that would be enough 
now both looking pretty rough Since the summer's in Kentucky, man, I miss that stuff